This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Matthew Lord, CSO at PerformCB, and Lee Aho, EVP of Marketers at PerformCB. This episode is different. Uh, recently, we hosted a webinar featuring PerformCB team talking about how to scale user acquisition in 2023. And we are releasing a recording of this conversation with Matthew and Lee. It was a lively discussion that covered a lot of ground. So without a further ado, how to scale user acquisition in 2023 webinar. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hello again. Uh, great to be back here on Business of Apps Live with a, another online event for you. Uh, please say hi in the chat. I can see everyone's uh, coming in here. Let us know where you are, maybe what the weather's like. We've with uh, Holly's here, I think uh, from was from Florida. If I if I got that right from the team, uh, we've got Alan, we've got Dolores, Amir is here. A uh, lot of signups for this. Uh, very excited. So yeah, please please say hi. Uh, I'm going to do a bit of housekeeping right now, and then we'll get into the 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 main discussion. So uh, yeah, hopefully you can familiarise yourself with uh, with Crowdcast. Hello, David from Toronto. Amy from Florida. I'm not sure if she's a connection of uh, Perform CB. Uh, so yeah, let us know in the chat where you're from, who you are, and we've got Boardville Brands in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh great, yeah, Amy is from the team. Spain, Clara. Hello, Clara. Dolores is based in New York, Albany. We've got Roberto from Bologna, Italy. Christian Ibanez. Sunny and hot Miami. I'm not sure if you're what sort of space you're in, Christian. Is it maybe crypto, I imagine, or fintech or something glamorous down in Miami? Paulina is calling in from Warsaw. We have Dorset, only Dorset. It's a lovely place, Joe. Dorset, UK. We have a game developer, Danny Solopov in London. Alicante uh, in Spain. Fort Lauderdale, Nakia. Well, hello, everyone. A bit of housekeeping. So hopefully some people have found the chat. If you haven't found the chat, please drop in and, and say hi in there. And we have the Q&A button, so you can leave some questions. We will ha hopefully have a bit of time for Q&A uh, today for our two experts. Kiev, um, I can't pronounce your name, but maybe you can let me know the phonetic. Uh, apologies for that. But welcome from Kiev. Great to have you here. Lima, Peru, very international. Uh, so yeah, you've got the Q&A box for questions. There's a little poll box. We've already had quite a few votes. That's great. That's the little graph thing. Uh, we'll be calling that out later, but maybe give that a look as well. And uh, I think that's the main stuff. Let's see who else is here. Oh, Christian is in FinTech in Miami. And uh, it's, a, it's an app, Trader Pal, offering Latinos the opportunity to invest in your stock market. That sounds very exciting. Hi from NYC. I know fintechs uh, an area uh, Lee and Matt know quite a bit about. Um, Virgin Islands, great. Reno, okay, good. Well, I think we've got a quorum here. 
So I think we are just about ready to go. So welcome, everyone. Don't forget that Q&A box. Drop any questions in there. We'll pick them up in a minute. So I'm going to move myself over here. Hang on a minute. I am both asking the questions today and doing the, doing the controls. So just bear with me. Here we go. Oh, I've moved us all there. There we go. There we go. And yeah, I think we're all set. All right. Well, Today's session is all about how to scale user acquisition in 2023. Hi, Sigun in Nigeria. I don't know if that's Lagos, maybe you're in. Uh, so yeah, how to scale user acquisition in 2023. We're going to be creating a plan of action to grow user acquisition. And we're thinking about long-term retention as a sort of outcome we want. So let's get into it. Uh, the First thing to do is introduce myself. My name's James. I'll be your host for the day. And I'm uh, part of the team at Business of Apps and the App Promotion Summit. We're heading to New York very shortly. So uh, if anyone's there in uh, June, we'd love to see you. But without further ado, let's uh, introduce our speakers. I think we're going to start with Matt. Here he is. Please welcome him to the virtual stage. Hi, Matt. Uh, hello, uh, James. Thank you so much. And thank you to Business of Apps. Thank you, everybody, for, for joining from uh, really sounds like all over the world. Uh, really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Matthew Lord. I'm Chief Strategy Officer for Perform CB. I'm about to celebrate my 17th year with the company at the end of this month, uh, which is really exciting. And I just want to say I really love the, the mobile space. Uh, there are just so many smart data-driven marketers in this space. And, and with that, I'll pass it over to my colleague and friend, Lee. Thank you, Matt. And James, thanks again for having us. Really cool to see where all the listeners are, are chiming in from. I'm Lee Aho. I'm the EVP of Marketers with PerformCB. I've been with the company since 2008, so a couple years behind Matt, but we'll be celebrating 15 years in July. I'm responsible for new business and strategic account growth, where we really help brands and marketers acquire customers using an outcome-based model. And I am based in Sarasota, Florida. Right. Okay. Well, there's a lot of experience to draw on in this discussion. So just to frame, frame what we're going to be covering today, uh, I think it's certainly true that economic and privacy uncertainties continue to have both users and marketers across the world, which we've seen today, questioning their spending habits. There's more than 100K apps launching each month. Acquiring users is getting more expensive, more competitive than ever. And last year, apps worldwide, this is according to Apps Flyer, I was stunned at the statistic, collectively spent 80 billion on UA. Acquiring new users and customers is becoming more expensive, and it's even harder for those who are working, learning to work in our current uh, constrained times with restricted ad budgets and data restrictions. And you've also got consumers who are cutting back on spending themselves. So it's a perfect storm for the, the world of UA. So the question is, what can we do to continue driving quality user acquisition at scale amidst all these roadblocks? So as I said, what we're going to do is create a plan of action. Uh, Matthew and uh, Lee have got the insights, the strategies and resources to help you with this today uh, based on their a lot of uh, experience. I think it's a, I haven't added it up in my head uh, quite yet, but um, 
think it's must be uh, well into to near 20 or 30 years collective experience with performance marketing. And uh, so in this webinar, we're going to create a plan of action to help you scale your UA. We're going to be looking at how to do competitive, competitive optimization for your ad spend, how to maximize your reach through different traffic channels and how to plan for Q4, which you know is coming up very fast. It's already May, soon it's going to be June. When we started planning this webinar, I was shocked at the idea of thinking ahead to you know, September to December, the holiday season, but I now see why uh, everyone was so keen to cover it. So here we go. Before we move on, there's a little poll here, which I just called out. So if you click on the right and lean forward, uh, you will find the poll and it's asking you, what has been your biggest challenge with UA campaigns in the last six months? Is it lack of ad budget? Is it you're unsure of what channels would be best to tap into? Is it the whole privacy iOS 14 SK ad network issue? Or is it another one? And if it's another, please feel free to drop that in the chat. So let's have some answers to the poll. We get a sense of what, what people are finding the most challenging. So looking here, people are unsure on channels. Uh, budget is, is, uh, is an issue for a reasonably big minority. Privacy is an, uh, an issue as well. We've not had any others yet. So let's see. Seems like Charles is, is the main one uh, for now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's see. Well, we'll be covering all these things uh, in the discussion. Okay. So on to our first section, which is all about uncovering optimization opportunities. So the question is, what are the most impactful optimization opportunities in the current app ecosystem while staying within budget constraints? And I believe, Lee, you're going to be answering that one. Yeah, I'll start with that. I'm looking at the poll results right now, and it looks like about 17% of people said that lack of ad budget is one of their biggest challenges right now. So let's start with the latter half of that question, really concerning budget constraints. I think marketers and brands are in a position where they've got to self-reflect and ask, is constraining or restricting a UA budget the correct approach? And what impact does that have on long-term objectives? Because to us, like this ecosystem just highlights opportunity and it further demonstrates the positive um, potential of an outcome-based program. So for those listeners less familiar, an outcome-based model just means that brands are only paying when a specific action or outcome occurs. So in the mobile space, one of the most common outcomes would be a mobile app install. Now, while that's the front end action, you're still optimizing against down funnel metrics and engagement metrics, but at the end of the day, you're paying for results. So usually those results and the measurability of those results support increased user acquisition. So I would start by asking, you know, is restraining or constricting budgets the correct approach for our business? And are we leveraging an outcome-based approach? Additionally, if you're finding that your competitors are pulling back budget, huge opportunity. You can strengthen your brand signal, not only to your customers, but to your competitors' customers as well. So increased investment uh, can help drive net new and converting your competitors' customers. And ultimately, that leads to more market share. Now, the first part of the question talks more about optimization and strategy. So 
you know, for starters at a high level, I think you've got to choose partners who have a proven track record and some social learnings that can be applied to strategies in whatever your space is or the channels that you want to scale in. And then the second high level pieces I'd call out is really understanding what's important to you and tracking those things and then sharing those uh, pieces of data with your trapped partners so that you're optimizing together, really building a partnership that's creating uh, ROI of positive results. And I will, I'll kick it over to Matt for more on the optimization and strategy component. I love it. I love everything Lee said, and I don't, I, I think I'm going to just really reinforce a lot of what he said. Um, to start though with, I think James really framed it well, right? Like we're in, there's uncertainty in the ecosystem and that's both economic uh, and with privacy changes. And our CEO has been saying something recently, which is, you know, a good economy is really good for advertising budget. Even a true uh, bad economy or recessionary economy is good for budgets uh, overall. But uncertainty is is very difficult for marketers to deal with. And so that's what I think uh, a, a lot of folks are dealing with now, just not, not being certain what's next. Um, and so what can you do as a marketer? And what I would say is... Uh, with everything you have, you have to create your own certainty. And, and what do I mean by that? Uh, one piece of that is finding uh, places where you can buy outcome-based uh, marketing. So you can buy uh, things that are, that are really going to deliver for your program and not spend money on uh, impressions, clicks, something else that may not back out. Uh, but the other real piece of that is really making sure you know uh, your consumer and that consumer journey across every channel you're running in really, really well. Uh, so what does that look like? That looks like, hey, knowing for every install you get, you're going to get this many registrations as a baseline. As a baseline, those registrations are going to turn into free trials, first-time deposits, connected accounts, uh, engaged users getting to a certain level in your game, right? Whatever those metrics are that are so crucial to you, you need to know that. And you need to have that really three-dimensional view of your consumer so that you can uh, test different channels and know immediately their value. Um, uh, and, and, and that's really critical here. That gives you certainty to go out, buy in the marketplace, and know you're delivering returns for your brand. And I think what Lee said uh, really is the uh, one of the most critical points, right? If you know all that, great, you're ahead of the game. But if you're not working with partners who can ingest that data and and uh, in, in real time and optimize via it, uh, you know your partners are all going to be reactive, and you don't want uh, partners uh, optimizing. Uh, based on consumers who may not be your ideal consumer, right? If you're just passing them the install and the registration, but not later events, uh, that's that's just a very uh, small view of of the true lifetime value you're after. Got it. So you're saying collectively, uh, don't don't pull back your budget completely. You've got to still spend. Uh, focus on performance-based spending with these backing out to these key kind of outcomes. Um, make sure you've got data in place and you can share that across with partners and have a good consumer journey mapped so you know your baseline. Um, 
you, you would have thought that would be kind of you know table stakes these days for uh you know a lot of marketers particularly in our space but it, you, do you find that yeah very rarely people have got all of those in place or you know it sort of evolves over time yeah i mean i do think they're table stakes that what that's exactly why we emphasize them so much uh, i think there are lots of uh, really smart marketers but i think they over index on uh, a specific kpi uh, rather than looking at that uh, whole journey um and i do think lots of people kind of miss it i think the biggest thing people miss and maybe one of the weaknesses of like a, a, a lot of programmatic buys is that they're not sharing that data uh, uh, back and forth, right? So if you're on a programmatic buy and you're doing like a maximize uh, uh, traffic to a certain CPI, um, uh, that's what the programmatic media is going to do, right? It's just going to give you as many installs as it can at that rate uh, versus giving you the ideal customers you're really after. Right, and has the have some of the privacy changes, the iOS fourteen, etc., affected uh, the ability to track to those sort of outcomes, and sort of how can you get around that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, early on, certainly there was there was a great deal of concern that uh, uh, limitations with uh, iOS and SK Ad Network. Uh, we're going to be really troublesome, but each each iterative version of SK Ad Network that has come out gets more and more granular in terms of both how you're able to track by source, as well as how much information you're able to pass in in terms of events, etc. But but what we need to remember about uh, SK Ad Network is it doesn't restrict your ability to be outcome based uh, and and really to pay for those meaningful events. SK Ad Network protects uh, user privacy, but it's still deterministic tracking, right? So it works very well with uh, outcome-based marketing. Got it. Okay, well, we might get a bit more into that later. And don't forget, if you've got any questions, there's a little question box. Feel free to uh, drop them in there. We'll, we'll try and uh, take them on a bit later. Okay, well, moving on. Second question is, how do you foresee marketers overcoming these privacy challenges in 2023? And what strategies are you seeing marketers employ in user acquisition campaigns? Uh, we sort of touched this on this a little bit already. I think, Matt, you're going to take this one. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just continue on a little bit. Like, like the privacy challenges are real, right? And I think uh, every marketer in this space has felt it. Uh, it's everything from governmental regulations and in the U.S., right? It's it's happening state by state, uh, and so it's it's tough to keep up with. Uh, but it's also certainly led with big tech and and Apple, uh, Google recently at their most recent I/O event, right? Are are giving new details about their privacy sandbox. So uh, while Apple's led, Google's coming uh, with with additional changes, and I think. That's what we all have to brace ourselves for is that, um, you know, there, there's no status quo. It's going to continue to change and evolve uh, and we need to be ready. Um, you know, I think I think all these uh, movements in the industry are actually a really positive thing. I think they're the result of people abusing people's data. Right. Like um, now, I think uh, the the abuse of data is really unfortunate, most of all, because 
it impacts things that were so valuable to marketers in terms of the data they could get, targeting they could get, but even beneficial to consumers. But uh, that's that's where we are and we have to live with it. Um, uh, on For mobile uh, specifically, certainly the biggest impacts have been in iOS, but again, they're coming to Android, so we need to be ready for that. And really uh, our strategy with our clients has been uh, relatively straightforward. One, as a company, we made sure we were ready for SK Ad Network, even when so much was unknown about it as it was getting released. If you remember those early days, like no one knew exactly how it was supposed to work. We were all kind of playing a guessing game. Um, uh, but we were ready. We got our clients ready. And what we really try to do is say, hey, we need to have a, a, a good diversified media mix that includes privacy safe inventory. Uh, so that, hey, the next big change or bump in the road, you've got bases covered. You can continue to acquire even if one thing becomes less effective, uh, like Facebook got less effective at a certain point, right? And so uh, that mix is just uh, such an important part, including making sure you have a certain uh, percentage of your traffic uh, uh, coming from, from scan uh, traffic. Uh, the MMPs have also done a good job of providing solutions in this new environment and really helping uh, mobile marketers bridge the gap. Um, and so I would say the ecosystem's stabilized a little bit in terms of privacy, uh, but we know further chance, uh, changes are coming and, and we just have to be ready. That's quite interesting. You said the MMPs have done a good job and a lot of people said they they were going to be toast with the, in this new world, but it's great that they, at least according to you, are uh, finding a you know good path in the new environment and making themselves useful. And James, I think privacy is such an interesting topic overall right now, and we know your audience is largely an app first focused audience. But when we back up to our outcome based model. We run a lot of web traffic as well, where common outcomes would be more of like a cost per lead or cost per sale or cost per call. And what we've really seen is increased adoption and a lot of success with app first focused marketers starting to build effective web based strategies. And there's a lot of reasons for doing that. You know, it could be a really good user experience through web. Um, it could help increase the addressable market in terms of where they can go for new prospects. It can help sidestep potentially some of the app store fees, but privacy is a very real component of why you should consider that as part of your strategy as well. And when we look within the Perform CB client base, we kind of see it going both ways. Um, for example, like antivirus and shopping extension and personal finance marketers who maybe came to us with strength on web have started to expand their app approach. And the opposite is true too, and that's probably more applicable to this audience, but you know, streaming services, photo editing solutions, sports betting apps are now running really competitive web-based acquisition programs. And in part, it does provide more flexibility because those web-based platforms are not subjected to the same restrictions that are imposed at the app store level. So it's maybe a secondary thought for app marketers in terms of leveraging web to help with some of the privacy headwinds or challenges. But we see a lot of marketers successfully execute it, and I would strongly consider it for uh, any company, whether their kind of initial preference for acquisition is web or app. Right. And do they do they need an, a web-based product to do that, or they can can be effective using a web 
web-based acquisition to drive primarily to an app-based uh, service? Yeah, both are both are possibilities. Um, certainly in the sports, gaming, gambling site, they tend to have strong experiences on both. And that was one example I gave. But in the photo editing solutions, for example, they tend to be more app focused in terms of where they want those consumers living. But they're still able to drive UA through the web and ultimately get those consumers into the app. So it provides uh, the same end result, but a different experience and the potential to, like we said before, hit a larger addressable audience that tends to live more in that web-based environment. Got it. Okay, so we're one way around privacy, have a mix of sources. So you're, you're not relying just on something like Facebook, which obviously took a huge hit uh, when all these, these changes emerged. Now seems to be sort of crawling out of it a bit, but to have a mix includes some scan-based uh, uh, inventory uh, and, and channels in your mix and use MMPs to help help you navigate that and uh maybe think about some other channels like web where you can at this point still still get the the the, the tracking great okay so let's move on to our next question here we go uh okay we're talking about reach now we're going to move on to talk a bit about reach uh so yeah there's a lot of saturation in the app stores uh, we've got to look at some alternative ways to reach new users. We've got to have a bit more testing and research to identify some of these growth channels. And at this point, we're going to get you all to lean forward again and answer our second poll. Uh, let's see if we can bring that up. Uh, Tala, thank you. Yeah, we've got that up now. Poll is visible. There we go. Okay, so let's take a look at this this poll. Let us know what you think of the following. Which channel are you most interested in testing to expand your app's advertising presence in 2023? If you're here from a non-app company, I, I would just say in, in general, are you looking at uh, OTT and CTV, contextual display, app store optimization, influencer, or another one? And uh, feel free to let us know specifically which one. So quite a lot of interest in OTT and uh, CTV, the, the TV channel. There's a couple of uh, votes for ASO. So let's see. So yeah, a lot of interest. No one's really going for display right now or influencer. I'm so quite surprised at that. Maybe we need a few more votes to come in. Um, so yeah, which of the following are you most interested in testing? Is it OTT and CTV? contextual display, ASO, influencer, or another one. Okay. I'm still waiting for one in contextual display. Seems like uh, there's definitely a, a quorum for, okay, here we go, contextual display. Someone's put their hand up. Oh, influencer. Okay, so we're, get, we're getting a few in here. Let's see. Um, yes, it, this talk will be recorded, Ignacio. Okay, so there we go. And we're getting a few little questions in, so we'll we'll cover them in a minute. So let's have a look. Okay, so yeah, CTV is of interest, contextual display, ASO, influencer. Uh, so it's interest across there, but particularly in TV, which is interesting. So 
What about Perform CB? What channels has your team been utilizing for scaling UA? Uh, has it been, you know, your established channels in a different way, or have you been looking at some of these uh, emerging channels we've just been looking at? And uh, over to you, Lee. Yeah, certainly a combination of those two approaches. So leveraging emerging channels and also identifying new ways to tap into existing channels. So I think on a high level, we like supported spends and continued investment where the return is strong. So that should really be your North Star. Identify where you're seeing the best results and return. And that's where you want to prioritize your UA efforts. But we've helped a lot of marketers and brands tap into new emerging channels to build some diversity and also open the addressable market. So those channels include you know, several of the ones that you've got here, James, as well as things like native, reward, uh, SMS potentially, uh, you've got influencer display on here. So in total, you know, we operate in about 30 different collective channels and really try to identify for each specific brand or marketer, where are they most likely to find the best audience for them? And then how do we construct strategy to go acquire that? Um, additionally, you know, to the second part of the question, we see, uh, first part of the question rather, we see marketers and brands using existing channels differently. One that comes to mind would be content utilization. So when we think about sites like advertorials, ranking sites, listicles, those have been commonplace for web acquisition for a number of years, but there has certainly been an increasing trend in apps starting to take over some of those placements. So the original point of entry may be an existing channel, but the user experience is very different. And you know we try to help learn through the social learnings that we've got and apply some of those strategies to brands that may be limited right now in regards to where they're going to identify the best prospective customers for their business. So without question, I would say the answer is both and would recommend that marketers employ both. Uh, it's really comes down to identifying their product, their service, and where we believe they're most likely to find the high value users for, for their business. Right. And uh, are there any particular verticals where that particularly this, that idea for the, the native ad units that work well? Yeah, native performs across uh, a wide range of verticals. You know, we do a lot in streaming. We do a lot in shopping. Uh, I mentioned some of the others as well, like from a gaming perspective. So uh, native is one that I think there's potential to leverage strategy for every type of app and when we see that successfully working right okay and uh matt you know, anything to add to that yeah i mean uh to to speak to native a little bit i would say like native just like video uh or other kinds of channels right just increases people's ability to merchandise uh their app and what it does uh give people additional content so uh, just things that, you know, maybe don't fit on a small little banner ad uh, or where maybe uh, your brand isn't the strongest yet. Uh, there, there's great opportunity there. Um, you know, uh, of course, I agree with everything Lee said. I mean, we're big believers that every channel actually has value. Um, and uh, the key is uh, making sure you're right pricing that channel for how it's performing specific to your app and your customer acquisition. 
uh, and that all, you're also, uh, uh, you know, approaching it in a really strategic fashion. So, um, you know, is your offering uh, uh, really aligned with uh, that channel? Um, you know, in terms of nascent channels, CTV, CTV clearly got a, a lot of interest from the audience. I'm not surprised. It's a huge buzzword, uh, probably going to be one of the fastest growing channels again this year. Um, and, and, you know, we're definitely excited about it too. Um, but, but one real trend to note is that even these nascent channels are available on an outcome basis. So you can buy these on a CPI basis. You can buy influencer traffic on a CPI basis. And so maybe, uh, you know, the lack of a vote for influencer early on was partially due to this idea like, oh, well, I have to spend, you know, uh, money just to get the post. Uh, versus truly um, uh, buying buying that kind of traffic uh, in a way that's going to back out uh, for you as an app developer. Um, you know, uh, we, we're huge believers that all media eventually should become uh, truly outbound based, outcome based, um, and uh, so we think that the fact that all channels are embracing this, we operate across like 26 different channels. It's just a huge step forward for that for marketers. Um, in terms of, you know, one one that uh, category I was hoping would get a little more uh, votes was a contextual display. Uh, to take it back to privacy a little bit, as we think about uh, all the privacy changes we're talking about, that means, hey, all this third-party data uh, we used to have and used to be able to leverage uh, so efficiently is gone. And I think uh, another trend channel wise is we're going back to these really contextual placements. So uh, what kind of apps, what kind of, if it's CTV, what kind of streaming apps, uh, what kind of websites, what kind of content is going to have a real affinity for your ideal audience uh, so that so that you can place your ads there and make sure um, um, you're getting who you're looking for. Uh, super important there. Um, so, you know, uh, Lee's 100% right. Invest in the channels where um, you're going to create some of that certainty I spoke to earlier, as well as really allocating budgets, pricing, spend uh, towards uh, where you really see deep funnel performance in terms of that acquisition. Uh, I'm amazed you came up with 30 channels, Lee. Uh, Matt says 26, so there may be a bit of... Uh disagreement there and and would you what would you count as a channel is that you know is is snap a channel or is it just part of social or you know uh you know how what do you class as a channel yeah that would be considered uh grouped into social right. i round it up but this is always evolving so i think the presence and channels has increased over time but yeah specifically right now we would target 26 different channels um, you know, I think some of the leading ones we touched on in regards to native displays, social, contextual, uh, video, uh, email, SMS, rewarded. It really depends on the marketer and what's going to resonate with their ideal audience. Uh, but again, I think one of the key takeaways for everybody listening, and Matt touched on this, is that all of these are available now on an outcome basis. So whereas before... You know, you may have been committing a certain dollar amount without knowing what that return was going to be. This is completely measurable. It's quantifiable. 
you're only paying when that desirable outcome or action occurs. And as that continues to expand, uh, it's a huge opportunity for marketers to invest more in UA because they can confidently point to the return that's coming as a result of, of those intelligence spends. Right. Well, I'm definitely going to have to find out from you the full list of 26 at one point, and maybe we'll have a, a quiz at one of our events in the future and see who can, can name the most. Uh, you'll be banned from the quiz, by the way. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good question. But yes, I think it's very relevant with, uh, as you say, some of the mainstream channels are challenged, but there's maybe a whole world of media out there. People haven't necessarily applied to app marketing and user acquisition. And as you say, if you do it on a performance basis in the right way, you can unlock all these new pools of inventory. Uh, I think it's very interesting. And just to follow up on the CTV, what is it about that platform that's so exciting at the moment? And uh, why is it kind of, in your view, uh, something to really watch? I mean, I think I think as these uh, platforms come out, right? They're all all these new channels are incremental opportunities. So they're opportunities to grow uh, your acquisition efforts even more. Uh, CTV's clearly exciting because uh, it allows for video, 15, 30 second spots, um, and then I think too, um, you know, the ability to track on a true performance basis, even though that ad's happening on your TV and you're able to track somebody sitting on their couch with their device, uh, you know, th there's something magical about that uh, and a kind of new experience um, uh, for marketers. So a lot of buzz around it, well-earned, uh, and um, it, 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 it's an exciting channel. It's only gonna expand as you see these streaming services continue to roll out uh, new ad-supported tiers or ad advertising, right? Um, so it will be interesting to see how the how the channel continues to grow. Got it. And Lynn in the chat, I think, is agreeing and saying, yeah, depending on what the product you're pushing, you know, they might use Discord, Reddit, Twitch, or YouTube for something like esports. Uh, we do have a, a question which I may answer now or leave to the end, um, which is. Um, uh, from Salah, and he said, following up to the earlier point, uh, SK Ad Network is fine for source level attribution, but doesn't support any details beyond that, such as campaign or ad level attribution data. Do you have a solution here? And in his view, the MMPs overpromise and underdeliver. Um, well, I'm, I'm friends with all the MMPs, so I can't say a bad word about them. Um, I, I would say. It, you know, there are definitely uh, more restrictions with SCAN uh, than um, uh, we're traditionally used to, uh, but I'm a big believer that each version is getting better and better, uh, and that you also haven't seen Apple take a, a super firm stance of requiring its usage everywhere, right? Uh, partially because uh, they know it's not quite ready for prime time. Um, and so my comment about the MMPs and doing a good job is, uh, you know, they're really bridging the gap between what uh, SCAN uh, maybe leaves on the table and doesn't do as well yet uh, uh, with the rest of the marketplace, where we're still able to track through things like uh, advanced privacy uh, and, and other, other kind of solutions like that that are now widely available across every MMP. 
Great. Okay. Hopefully that helps answer the question, Sarah. Thanks for asking it. Okay. So let's move on to our next question. I think we've got only a couple more. So let's see. So what about best practices for testing new targeting uh, strategies and diversifying spend outside of uh, the channels we discussed, such as Facebook, that are you know um, a bit more challenged at the moment, so you can scale use acquisition. And uh, yeah, is this going to be uh, Matt taking this one? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I touched on it a little earlier. It's certainly true that when ATT rolled out a Apple's ATT, uh, that uh, the impact on Facebook was maybe the the most seismic event we we sort of saw. Uh, and a very real one where uh, people found that programs uh, where, you know, they were buying very effective uh, uh, CPIs uh, on Facebook before uh, suddenly got a lot less efficient uh, almost overnight, right? Um, I would say that Facebook's done a good job of recovering, one, of uh, adjusting to the new reality of uh, having, having more limited uh, data. Uh, as well as I think, again, uh, all of you, all, all these smart marketers out there uh, have found better ways to buy on Facebook and, and adjusted uh, your media buying strategies on it so that it's still an important channel, right? Like it's not, it's not that uh, I would ever recommend walking away from Facebook, um, uh, but there is a new normal. And I think there's a really good lesson here for everybody, right? That at that moment when Facebook took the biggest hit, a lot of people had a big dent, a big chunk out of their overall acquisition program and were scrambling to find uh, how to replace that, right? Against the goals they had for their app, for their company, for their brand. Uh, and uh, it's really just why a healthy media mix is so important. Uh, never to be over-reliant on one company uh, one platform uh, for uh, your media buying. Um, so I would I would just say like, hey, can can you ramp up on uh, your programmatic, uh, your contextual? Again, I'm a big fan of contextual going forward, in-app video, CTV, all of it, uh, to really make sure that you have that healthy mix. It's just insurance against the next set of changes that come uh, uh, to the ecosystem. Uh, whether it's privacy changes or something else, right? Uh, we know how fast uh, the technology moves uh, as well as just the, the overall mobile ecosystem that's constantly changing. You know, um, again, outcome-based outcome marketing allows you to test into all these channels. I guess the other point is that it really allows you to test in these channels really, really efficiently. Why? Maybe you're not an expert in CTV, you're not an expert in social. And, and to James's point about channels, um, you know, buying on Facebook is very different than buying on TikTok. Maybe there's a certain overlap in strategies, but there are also big differences, right? And so uh, to do this all yourself, you have to invest operationally in hiring experts, uh, trying to get the media buying going so that you can back out on that CPM pricing, that CPC pricing on a on a uh, uh, on a certain channel uh, to get it to back into your goals. Where outcome-based pricing really allows you to buy that same media without hiring for the expertise to test it quickly, know exactly how it 
uh, performs for your app uh, and, and the, the level of consumers it delivers. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just uh, changing the risk of the actual media buy, it's also about those capital investments uh, companies no longer have to make because that pricing is available. Okay, Lee, anything to add? I was really thorough with that response and I think he's spot on. Um, general rule of thumb, you know, brands need to be mindful to not over index any specific source. You know, since Facebook was a call out in the question in April, we saw that bug within Facebook that caused many marketers to overspend. So uh, either outcome was not great for them, either overspending or as a remedy to that, they turn off the spend that can have some longer term ramifications too. So that just supports an overall diversified media mix. I think the other thing that we will continue to see and evolve is where are users going? So using Facebook as the example, as uh, TikTok and Snapchat have, you know, changed some of the market share aspects within social media, you want to ensure that you've got a strategy for where your customers are going to be living. And then in terms of best practices, you know, this is, repetitive with some of the stuff that we've said before, but we believe wholeheartedly in it, in the sense that you've got to want, you've got to know what you need to track to really measure the success of a program, communicate that with the traffic partners that are helping you build in these testing strategies, and then really try to understand from your partnerships, what have they done in that space or how would they approach strategy for this test that you're looking to roll out, um, you know, and, and ensure that you kind of understand how that's going to positively impact your user acquisition. Uh, but I think Matt really covered it uh, extremely well. TikTok's a great example. I mean, uh, what state just uh, outlawed TikTok, right? Or banned TikTok? It's like uh, Wyoming, Montana, something, right? Like, um, we'll see if that holds up. But uh, if, you if you had a lot invested in TikTok at, from a marketing channel, uh, what does that mean for you, right? Pretty sure India banned at one stage. I, I don't know if uh, that that continues, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, great. It will increase VPN usage by a lot. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so now a final section where we're looking at Q4. Uh, so yeah, um, a lot of apps. You know, a lot of business in general is is obviously done in this sort of key season between sort of. Uh, yeah, uh, October, November, December, and uh, you've got to get ready for that if you're going to maximize your results. So I think this is a really good point about running test campaigns now uh, in the run-up so you're good to go in that crucial period and, you know, it really pays to sort of plan ahead, uh, you know, thinking about doing some some sort of campaign, some, some prep work. So that's what we're going to cover now. I think it's a really good point. So... On that note, how can marketers prepare to drive UA growth in, in Q4? And uh, what are you going to be doing to optimize and your campaigns for success? Awesome. Um, I can lead us off here. Uh, I think, you know, James, you've, you've kind of uh, started the answer a little bit already in your intro. Uh, and I think you're 100% right. Um, it is about preparing now for for your your season, your peak season. I mean, I guess when we say Q4, I would just say to all the developers out there too, like we definitely recognize that everybody's peak season isn't the same, right? For some, it may be Q4. We have app marketers who 
you know, their peak season may be more around new year, new you uh, kind of health uh, and wellness uh, or a streaming service. We have uh, sometimes really big peaks uh, in terms of what they want to do around acquisition, around a new show launching, a new movie, right? Something that uh, is a really big event for them. And of course, that can lead to multiple peaks throughout the year, uh, depending on your app. And the other thing to say there is like, um, you know, a lot of times we see huge, huge uh, wins for apps, not in things that are predictable from a terms of seasonality, uh, but uh, maybe it's, um, you know, some kind of marketplace event uh, or a news cycle that just aligns perfectly with what your app does. Uh, and you need to be ready to take that for a ride. Uh, so it is all about preparation. So like if we think about just everything we've talked about, right? Like we've talked about, hey, embracing outcome models, knowing your customer metrics, uh, integrating those signals about your most valuable consumers with your partners uh, to make sure that they can respond in real time uh, to, to where you're getting the most value out of the media uh, diversifying your channel mix, and then right pricing, optimizing that channel mix, uh, optimizing that spend uh, to really maximize your returns. Uh, that's it's it's a lot to do, and if you're trying to do that in peak season, you're too late, right? So uh, it's all about uh, a continuous process of uh, getting prepared, knowing your metrics, layering on, and really making sure. Uh, you're ready for um, uh, for your opportunity to real, really scale your app. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess the final uh, point I would make, and then I'll hand it over to Lee, is like, um, you know, in this time of economic uncertainty or recession, uh, you need to keep your apps in the market. That's the only way you can prepare for the rebound, right? The other side of a recession is always gonna be some kind of rebound. And we see over and over again that the marketers who lay the foundation uh, during that down period are the ones who most benefit uh, by the rebound, often by a really significant multiple uh, and, and really beat out the competition. So uh, I would leave you with that and uh, hand it over to Lee. That's a great point. You know, we've seen a lot of economic changes since we've been in the space, but when we date kind of what our tenure is, Matt and I were both here through 2008, 2009, and really saw what he just talked to, where brands who continued to invest in UA and really build the strength through those tougher economic times were the most successful coming out of it. Um, the other thing I'd point to, um, and Matt touched on this, certainly is when you think about your peak season, you almost have to approach that like it's a single game elimination. You can't show up at peak season and expect to suddenly perform. And I think what's helpful lots of times for brands is to understand how the dots are connected with media buyers because they're doing the same thing. They're continually testing campaigns to identify what the strongest campaigns are to be running when peak season becomes available. They wanna allocate more spend, more resources invested into those programs. So it really benefits the brand or the marketer to make sure they're dialed in well in advance and they almost secure themselves a spot in the media buyer's placements as you roll into peak season. Conversely, if you've been an underperforming campaign to that point, 
the likelihood of getting retested when you want the traffic the most, unfortunately goes down. So um, I don't think this is gonna be uh, earth shattering in a sense to brands or marketers, but it really is about the prep and the run up to peak season to make sure that you're best positioned to capture that traffic. Um, you know, my takeaway again would be utilizing an outcome-based model where you're truly paying for results. We believe it's the best way to test into new channels and scale your program overall. And then beyond that, once you've acquired those customers, James, this might be a separate uh, podcast or webinar, but you know, really building in that customer-centric experience once you've acquired them, right? Like, are you truly talking to the customer's needs? Are you building personalized experiences? Are you a service leader to not only acquire customers, but to truly retain them and help grow your, your business overall? Got it. Okay. Well, I think that's a very good point on uh, planning ahead, getting ready for this key season. And as you say, not scrambling uh, right at the end. Uh, we're quite unbelievably quite close to the top of the hour. So, there was a question uh, from Christian, which maybe you can answer uh, here. He was asking, yeah, what about any, who can do this, this amazing outcome-based marketing? Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll just sort of maybe wrap up now. Uh, if there are any more questions, uh, we might have a little bit of time at the end, so please leave them now or forever hold your peace. Um, but maybe we can just uh, sort of, you know, give us a, a bit more uh, about sort of, yeah, what, what you're up to at, at Perform. Yeah, we encourage everybody to stay in, in, in touch post uh, the wrap up of this one. So we've included our contact info and socials below. Uh, I know that we're coming up on time for questions, but we wanna hear those questions and make sure that anybody who attended today gets the answers that they're looking for. We've also uh, created something for everybody who's attending today. So. We've got a deliverable. It's how three bands, three brands drive user acquisition at scale, detailed case studies, and really talks to the strategy across uh, finance, entertainment, and e-commerce verticals. Uh, so we hope that will give some additional insights into strategies that we've employed and how marketers have successfully scaled UA. And you can find that link uh, to download in the chat. And certainly, James, before we go, we want to uh, thank everybody who did attend, especially you and Business of Apps for hosting us and allowing us to have this discussion. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Great, and that link, it's in the chat. It's also the big green button there. Uh, but yeah, there's, there are some very good good case studies in there of uh, this sort of uh, model. And uh, great, anything to add, Matt? Uh, no, I just really appreciate everybody who attended. Right. appreciate uh, Business of Apps and you, James. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. We've got one question I would like to answer if we've got a minute, which I was also keen to hear. So what about um, ASO and your campaigns? You did mention ASO. Can you, obviously, that's always of big interest. We have whole rooms at our events talking in you know, insane detail about this. How do you use it in a, you know, in a more performance-based kind of world? Yeah, I mean, uh, ASO uh, definitely is something that we attack uh, for some of our uh, clients. Uh, we think it's a it, it's clearly a huge part of um, how you get your app to be discoverable within those uh, app stores. Um, and so, you know, and I, I will say even outside of what we do, because, you know, we don't 
we don't really help folks with um, ASO in terms of uh, the, the keywords you're using in your description, that kind of thing, right? But I have seen instances where somebody's changed one word uh, in that description and seen really great results. Uh, there are other things that, that we can do to help just in terms of um, uh, really, uh, you know, the, the boosting your overall visibility uh, within that app store. And, and we'd be uh, more than happy to talk to anybody about that. So uh, definitely reach out to us and uh, we can give you details. Great. All right. Well, we've got, I think we've got your near the top there now. We've got your emails there as well. It's matt at performcb.com and lee at performcb.com. We, we may well turn this into a podcast, so I'm reading it out there. Um, great. And, uh, well, thanks thanks so much for joining us today. And, uh, yeah, look forward to maybe diving into some of those topics in more detail in future. And that was Matthew Lord, CSO at Perform CB, and Lee Aho, EVP of Marketers Perform CB, and James Cooper, the host of, for the webinar from Business of Apps. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps, and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe, and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.